Cape Talk. The Fringe, only on late nights. So uh, it's impossible to live in South Africa and not be aware of the devastating impacts that drugs are having on our communities. Families literally torn apart by addiction and neighbourhoods rife with drug-related crime. One of the drugs uh, posing the biggest problem uh, is Wunga, sometimes called Neope. Is that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Neope. Um, A type of low-grade heroin uh, which came into widespread use in South Africa uh, in around 2010, mostly uh, in the impoverished townships in Durban, although, of course, it has started appearing uh, and wreaking havoc in uh, other parts of the country too. This month, an award-winning theatre production exploring the impact of the drug on communities in KwaZulu-Natal arrives in Cape Town for a short run uh, as part of South African Drug Policy Week. It's called Ulwembu. Okay, so joining us to tell us more about uh, the play is uh, director Neil Coppen uh, and actress Mpume Ntombeni. And uh, we're also joined in studio by Sean Shelley, who's the founder of the SA Drug Policy Week 2018. Uh, how did this, starting with you, Neil, how did this project come about? Um, oh, it's a long and complex story. I'll try to keep it very brief. But I, I, basically, I, I was... I do a lot of theatre-making workshops with uh, young performers from different communities and community-based theatre groups, and I always do a kind of a generative exercise to try, you know, generate ideas and story material. And and I start by asking, what are the the most pressing social concerns that affect your community, or, or you know, what would you list as the number one thing that you need to be dealing with right now? And this was about five, six years ago now, and. Um, you know, 99% of the group all voted for this uh, drug called Wunga. It came up number one on the list. And I'd been hearing about it a lot in Durban. There'd been a lot of hysteria around this, what was perceived as a new drug um, that had arrived on the scene and had really been having a kind of devastating effect on the city and, and its surrounding communities. And so from this kind of very provocative you know, a few questions that were raised and a lot of the young performers telling the stories in the group about how, how this, uh, how Wunga was affecting their own communities and family members. I embarked on a kind of a project where I enlisted a wide team of sociologists, actors, community theatre groups, and we all went into a very deep period of research around what was perceived as a huge problem at the time. And we were like, Let, we need to know more. We, we, we could see that the media were obviously dealing with it in a certain way that wasn't helping the cause and certainly not helping um, humanizing any of the users stuck in this terrible trap of, of what is, I mean, just to clarify, Wunga is a, a B-grade heroin variant and, and a very unpleasant substance in general. So we went into a deep process of research and, and, and uh, collectively grew this theatre production to try to speak back to it. We were mostly all theatre practitioners uh, in the group and, and we wanted to use and test theatre in a way to see, can we actually have an impact on these things? Can we use theatre to to challenge uh, and subvert stereotypes and, and, and preconceived notions and judgmental assumptions around things? Can we use it empathetically? Um, and that's really what how Olimbo emerged. Now, what what were the concerns around the way that the media was portraying uh, the drug and users of the drug? Yeah, I mean, this was a bit unprecedented in Durban, not to say we haven't had substance abuse problems of all sorts, but this this was on a massive scale. And the media were really... 
you know, just I did an actual analysis of a lot of the media reports I pulled and with the group too, with the theatre group as we formed the production and we looked at just how, how users were being spoken about and it was as zombies and the apocalypse and just the terminology uh, was dehumanizing people that were actually stuck in a very tragic uh, and desperate set of circumstances and no, in nowhere in the reports we were, re- we, were, we were reading was that sort of the human problem of it being acknowledged and I think that's what we really wanted to try and uh, challenge through this play was speak to the human stories empathetically once you understand why someone turns to a substance in the first place and also perhaps looking bit more reflexively at ourselves and our own addictions to our phones, to cigarettes, to alcohol, to whatever substance or, or object it may be, we're, we're deeply, you know, uh, we came across a great quote, which I always love to turn to, and it was by the by Eugene Marais, and he spoke, he was an opium addict himself, and he spoke about escaping the pain of consciousness, mm. using substances to elude the pain of consciousness. And that made such sense to me that um, unless we're exploring why people turn to substances in the first place, we're, we're not going to get anywhere in the conversation because obviously these are much deeper social issues uh, before they are substance abuse issues. And if we're not going back that far in the ladder, then we then we only ever, again, just dehumanizing, making all users, painting them the same brush as criminals, as murderers, as all this kind of, you know, these pathologies that start to happen. So in our research, we found, obviously, speaking to users, when you hear a person's story about what's led them to that place, it completely challenges how you think about them and that they shouldn't just be locked up and thrown in prison and treated like a, a criminal or whatever that they, we actually need much more humane compassionate responses in, in how we respond to these problems. Yeah absolutely and I think that's such an important point and as, as a recovering addict myself I can tell you that mm. I, and I, I loved the, the, that idea of the, of the oblivion. Every time that I used it was about mm. seeking um, or an out of conscious state or a removal sure. from from the reality uh, that sure. I was living at that point and, and, and that mm. was key and that is uh, across the board uh, and I also yeah. think this idea of, of humanizing uh, people with um, which are what I believe to be a disease of addiction is crucially important and interestingly yeah. d- despite the fact that addiction that is something that touches all of us and I, and I don't mm. think you can you could d- go to a family in South Africa who in some way hasn't been affected by addiction Absolutely. the understanding of it is is not always where it is not always where it should be and that I think is no. the point to which we're getting uh, that, that mm-hmm. addicts is very often uh, sort of held up as being as you say the, the bad guy or bad girl or the the problem mm. whereas actually mm. addiction is a is a family problem it's a societal problem um mm. and Pumi, if i can come to you why were you so keen to, to get involved and if you can just explain uh for our listeners your role in in the production um uh, my role in the production i play a woman called Portia, who is a policewoman who's uh, supposed to be policing the issues around the community of Guamashu. And uh, policing, it, it, it so happens that my my son actually gets into into Wonga somehow, and then I'm faced with uh, with it. It's now pers- on a personal level of, of should I arrest him? Um, where, whereas I've been arresting the other children, I've been I've been uh, been mean to them and 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 and, and being bad to them and, and treating them badly. 
So um, for me coming in, um, actually, uh, I was, I was, I was also like that. Like personally, I was like that. I felt like Wonga users should should be uh, all locked up, should be sent away somewhere before we started working on this project. Then when we started talking to these children, when we started talking to the people who have been, who were users and people who, were, who have been forced to, there's a character that, that, that is forced to sell because he's coming from jail and he can't find a job. So he has to think of other ways of making money. And then he thinks, okay, selling Wunga is the only option that I have. So, uh, speaking to that boy because he he was my, he's my he was my neighbor he is now passed on he was my neighbor so I I, I felt I felt very painful as a parent myself uh, of two boys growing up in the township um, seeing this boy selling wounder next door um, until I was faced with the fact that I have to go out there and talk to him and really understand his story and then talk to the users as well and understand their stories. Um, it all boils down to um, everyone is reaching, is trying to reach out. These children will come into that house um, like so slow and, and stuff and then they'll come out there having smoked longer and so revived and like, it, it, it was like, they, they are their own community of some sort because even where I live here, right here in Berea, I see they are a community of, of, of Wunga users. They've become this community who live under the, the Berea station at the, at the railway station um, and they've built their jondolos. They, they are a, a community. It felt like everyone needs a sense of belonging. And uh, there was uh, one time when we performed one thing that really really touched me was a girl a young girl i think she was uh, around 12 or 8 somewhere there and she's when when we were speaking to the audience after the show she mentioned that um she liked the fact that the, the policewoman that i was playing Portia, didn't give up on her son um so for me it, it touched a lot on on me like um I wanted to know more about that girl. Maybe I felt maybe because she she was living on the street. She was a street child. I thought maybe her parents have given up on her. That's why she's saying something like this. So it's it's been an eye opening journey. It's 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 been very hectic. It's been very very painful. Actually, after performing, it's it's an it's a very emotional play. After performing, it you like. You become so depressed mm. with the stories and everything. It's, but it is it, it's so educational. I, I, my eyes are opened now. I, I have a better understanding. You, you feel like you, you need to talk to these children. You, uh, I have the children that I know who are coming from my family members, from my uncles who I see on this street walking around, and then I'll sit and talk to them. And then, then they'll tell me, hey, it's difficult, sis, Pume. it's difficult to get out. I can't. And then I'll give them whatever I have, that five rand or whatever. But then I know that um, with that five rand, it's like I'm perpetuating them for them to go and buy more drugs. But, but then I, it's very tough. Mm. The other thing, I, I, I can't even bring them to my house because once you bring them to your house they'll, they'll take everything from your house it's like you have this battle that 
I mean, it speaks what what you're talking about. What you're talking about to me, it, it speaks very much to the to the desperation. Um, of, uh, families and of addicts and, uh, the, the, the emotions that come around, uh, addiction for, for families because it's not as simple as putting your child out on the street or, 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 or locking the door or, you know, and, and I'm thinking, uh, and, oh. you know, at the moment with, with the release of the, the Ellen Pucky's movie at the moment, which I saw mm. at the weekend and, and it's not as, it's not as simple and, and for a dialogue, uh, for a conversation to be around that and around the 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 emotions of uh, for everyone involved of of what that means i think is hugely important uh, if you mm. are just joining us uh, this is late nights on cape talk and uh, i'm speaking uh, to the cast and crew of the award-winning theater production uh, it's called ulwembu and it arrives in cape town between the 8th and the 11th uh, of October, which uh, just so happens to be South African Drug Policy Week. I'm joined uh, on the line by Neil Coppen, who is the director, uh, and actress Mpumem Tombeni, who plays uh, Portia in uh, in the production. We're also joined in studio by Sean Shelley uh, from uh, SA Drug Policy Week. Sean, if I can come to you, um, what what has been your take uh, on on this uh, on this production uh, and the impact, and it, and not just as an entertainment piece, but as a, as a learning tool. So I first uh, came into contact with the piece when a uh, an associate of mine, Professor Monique Marx, made me aware of it. And uh, we put on a production of it uh, in Hilbra, in the Hilbra Theatre. And I went to it and I was absolutely blown away. Uh, we arranged it so that we could take, for example, the head of the Central Drug Authority, the head of uh, the Priority Crimes Units from the Hawks, a number of other people, took them into the middle of Hilbra, into the revamped Hilbra Theatre, and saw it there. And as I say, I was blown away, and and what really struck me about it was there was no censorship. There was no attempt to try and resolve the difficult issues. It wasn't wrapped up with a bow. It was put out there, and it was put out there as the reality is, complex, multidimensional, nuanced. It comes from different perspectives, and it uses the words that I hear very often in the work that I do um, in amongst the communities, and and it really rang true with me, and I kept finding myself saying, no, no, that person's got it wrong. Yeah, oh, but they've got it right. No, they've got it wrong, and these ones have got it right. And, and of course, everybody's got it right from their perspective. But, but, what what really struck me about the play was was that it got across, unlike any other sort of medium, that level of complexity. It really made you think. It made you work uh, when you walked away from the theatre, and there was a lot of emotion in it as well. I was quite effusive about it after the play. Um, and and to me, what I really appreciate about it is it's got an academic rigor to it because they spent a number of – over a year interviewing people, using ethnographic uh, research techniques and coming up with something which could have been reduced to an academic article that nobody would have read. And now they've got something that's really meaningful that can really change lives. And that's why I brought it down for the SA Drug Policy Week because I think it's essential that policymakers – Watch this, because too many people sit in their ivory towers. They have no idea what's happening on the ground, okay? And these are complex issues. This is not about focusing on an individual. It's about focusing on a systemic issue. And when we understand the origins of drug policy, when we understand what it is that makes the habituated dependent use of drugs so important to a person that they're prepared to do it when from the outside it looks like their life is falling apart, 
Those are the questions we need to ask. What is making that happen? And let me tell you, it doesn't lie often in the individual. Sometimes it does, but mm. most of the time it lies in the system. In 11 years in recovery and, ha- and spending most of my life with, with addicts, uh, recovering addicts, I can't give an example of where it's lain with the individual. Yeah. Uh, and that's from people, and that includes people from literally from all over the world, from, from all types of, all types of background. Why, Neil, was it important that, that you put the production together in this way from such an informed standpoint, um, using uh, facts and research as opposed to just, you know, and very often when we, when we talk about drugs and addiction and, and we're telling stories, uh, it can be from quite a sensationalist and also voyeuristic mm-hmm. point of view. Why was mm-hmm. it important? that you moved away from that narrative? I just think that, you know, South African theatre, we come from such a tradition of what, when you look at protest theatre and what that meant at a time to speak truth and, and speak against uh, oppressive regimes and all these things. We come from this rich, amazing tradition that somehow uh, post you know, ninety four has, has not really materialized. It's not mm-hmm. like this is, It's not like there isn't there aren't things to talk about and address. And I think theatre's kind of its its true innate incredible power has has been lost a bit. And I think it's it really is up to practitioners to look at how within the society they move within they can use their to really help people and assist and not add to the the problem through sensationalism and through you know there's a, a, a tendency we watch train spotting and requiem for a dream and we, we as a team before we were making this we looked at a lot of narratives around drug use in popular culture mm. and media and all these things and 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 again we we really wanted to actually go back to a very human telling of the story again empathy is is the key here as much as we want to bastardize the police in the situation and say they're the oppressor they're the problem here the way they you know you realize that when you interview these men and women in the police service they just hanging on to their jobs and doing what they told this is all coming from higher levels so everyone has the ability to be the oppressed and the oppressor in in, mm. in the space of a, a few minutes if you want you know and and it really made me look at my own oppressive behaviors whether it's ignoring someone or driving past them or not acknowledging that human being that's standing on the side of the road um very obviously in trouble um and and all these sorts of things so we wanted to rejuvenate the tradition of theater but again also not the didactic polemical theater that makes you feel like you're being hit on the head with the mail and guardian for an hour you know Mm, mm. theater has it's about a human experience and, and empathizing and relating to human characters and scenarios that, you know, they're by the grace of God go I or whatever the saying is. It's, it's, it's an ability to really show the complexity of these situations and, and hopefully transform people's perceptions and even more importantly, drive them to some sort of collective action. One of the, the most important features in an applied theater model like this is the kind of talkback session afterwards. Mm. And we found that by getting police and policymakers and users and all sorts of stakeholders in the situation, getting them into one audience to share a space and undergo a story together and then give them the time to process it and unpack it with each other together afterwards has some really profound effects because these are, you know, like, like Sean said earlier, the policymakers don't get out the ivory towers. They're not on the ground. They don't know these. They're actually not responding to the situation from the ground up. It's all this kind of top-down approach. So this is a way of allowing these stories to be heard, these marginalized, silent stories. Theatre is the perfect space to amplify them, to give them voice, and then create hopefully new 
deeper, empathetic discussions around these complexities. Again, we don't, we definitely don't prefer, uh, pretend or profess to offer solutions or the bow, you know, the neat pink bow that people sometimes want their experiences to mm. be wrapped up in. Mm. But mm. it is through empathetically and, and uh, analyzing and looking at these complexities in a very human, non-academic way. Because I think, you know, if you have a PhD, you could understand these reports, but for 90% of us, that means nothing. So how can we take this research and allow it to be disseminated and shared in, in, through a medium that's popular, engrossing, enthralling, entertaining, all these things, but also ultimately equipping you with tools that may actually save or improve your life. Mm. Um, and, and that's we, we have a company called Empathyater. Tom and I are, are the founders of it alongside Dylan McGarry. And we have tested this methodology now. I've just finished my master's thesis yesterday on it. And we've tested this methodology in to do with a a community that's recently been confronted by a coal mine and we were asked to go in and, and listen to stories of other communities that have handed their land over to, to these coal mines and what became of their lives. Were they greatly enriched or did they prosper like the mines had promised? And obviously not. And by taking these verbatim testimonials of one community to another community facing that decision, these things can have a profound effect. And it's just by listening and sharing the stories onwards that we can we can really work on that. We've also done another project on, on migrant women in Durban that has been used in a very similar way for a Wimbledon, working with the home affairs, working with people from the police, all these different stakeholders. Again, getting them in the same room is, is, is one of the biggest challenges and why it's so essential to have someone like Sean who believes in this project but also has access to all those big policymakers. If we're just showing theatre back to people who already know how oppressed and hard their lives are, what are we achieving? We need to take this to the people who don't know what those experiences are. That's when true transformation is able to happen. So our big mission statement is to really try to get these ground-up stories heard and listened to and attended to, compassionately attended to. Pumay, if I might go back to you for for, uh, for a second, uh, in portraying uh, Portia and be and you sort of being being so in, involved in terms of the the portrayal and and, and being uh, on stage every evening, um, is it something that you take home with you emotionally? Yes, it's it's so hard to get out from there. It, um, I actually talked to Dylan. I remember talking to Dylan the other time that I think we're going to need some counseling because it's very depressing. Even the process on its own, going to talking to people, going to talk to the police, going to talk to the users, and all that, even and then performing and then embodying that, that character as, as a mother myself. It's, I think of my, 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 my boys. I think of my boys. When I look at that boy that I'm... I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm portraying them, the mother of, I feel like that's my, like it's my boy having that problem. It's, it's really, really emotional. It's so hard to get out. I, yeah, it is. The, the and, project, and, and we, sorry, and sorry, we, go ahead. We, we, yeah, and there's like no, no, no solution. There's, um, um, the, 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 the fact that we, we, we get people to, to engage and to talk. Sometimes I feel I feel a bit healed that we get people to talk that I've done something in the community. I, I, I feel a little bit better that I'm doing a difference as a human being, as a human, uh, because I'm or I'm also like a, a person who's worried about social issues, things that are happening in our societies. So I feel like 
if I, I, I change just one person, if I, 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 I facilitate um, discussion here and there, or if I, I, I send empathy there, um, that effect, it, it heals me. I, I, get it, I get sort of a feeling from that as well. Sean, if I can just end with you, um, SA Drug Policy Week, what is it, when is it, uh, and uh, what do we need to know? So SA Drug Policy Week is um, an opportunity to bring about 150 of the uh, main stakeholders in drug policy in South Africa and in Africa together into the room with international and local experts and to have a robust discussion around drugs. Our, our tagline is, we need to talk about drugs. Um, and it's to bring some new ideas in because we, we've got this narrative around drugs, which is just so unhelpful. You know, Neil spoke about the media and that, and, and it's perpetuated all the time. People don't stop and actually think about what they're saying and what they're doing. And, and they don't realize that, that really at the end of the day, we're perpetuating the cycle. You know, you get young kids who, uh, through whatever reasons are experimenting with drugs, they get arrested, they get recruited into gangs because they're sitting in polls more for seven days. Um, we've effectively criminalized poverty because they don't mm. have the opportunity of yeah. using in private spaces as the, as the judgment has now said. We equate drug use with an evil, mm. uh, whereas in fact everybody- Morally in the, culpable, morally yeah, questionable, yeah. yeah. Everybody in the world uses drugs. Mm. Um, yet, yet it's the only place in the UN conventions where they refer to an evil. You know, nothing else was referred to as evil. Mm. We don't look at the origins of it. We um, we have whole communities who are in the cycle of self-subjugation by um, marginalizing their own youth in it. And uh, we forget that, that all of these laws were established basically for purposes of racial control. Mm. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying mm. to ignite the activists within the stakeholder community. We're trying to bring together people who use drugs, people who uh, resolve their drug use issues, uh, medical practitioners, uh, policymakers, police officers, law enforcement people, and put them in the room with a bunch of experts as well. Can I ask you, do you genuinely believe that the policymakers in this country do not understand that drug use is symptomatic of a problem and is not the problem itself? Well, I don't know if, if deep in their hearts they know that or not, um, but certainly it's a politically expedient opportunity to divert attention. And it's always been like that. You know, the fact when you look in the United States that one in every three uh, African-American males will spend time in jail for a drug possession charge, and yet uh, proportionately white people use more drugs, that should give us an indication, yeah. you know, with the yeah. U.S. being the biggest driver of drug policy. If we have a look at um, in South Africa, for example, the, the origins of the uh, outlawing of cannabis, um, that was really to separate the trade between brown black and white people. Um, and and it was South Africa that drove that process along with Egypt, interestingly enough, back in the 1920s. Um, and, and when we really look at it and we see drugs like alcohol being consumed, which are undoubtedly far more dangerous than a lot of the other drugs, mm. and when we see that, that the state is actually through their policies um, increasing the harms on individuals, because no matter what, no matter how dangerous a drug is, it's a lot more dangerous when it's being used on the street in an impure form. Um, we we realize that there's a lot of investment in this. There's a prison complex there, and even the, 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 the pathologization of people who use drugs, there's now a medical complex in there, and you can actually charge people for that. You can't charge them to send them to prison, but you can charge them to to uh, incarcerate them in the medical system and you know prisoners as patients. Yeah. And so whether they know it deeply or not, um, I think that people have this attitude, especially politicians, that you just need to pull up your socks. 
Um, and it's not true at all. It, there are a lot of issues that, that face people. And we really need to open people's eyes to that. And, and as Neil has, has so eloquently put, um, it's, it's really only through empathy and getting to know people that, that you, you establish a bond and a connection with them. Otherwise we just try and other them. And, and if I can just give you one, well, actually we've got Pumi on, on the phone. Um, she can maybe, uh, say those lines about blame from Porsche, which are in the play. Are, are you there? For me, are you all right to do? Can you? Uh, does is this a prearranged? Does probably know, no, know what's no, happening? No, no, oh, okay. She say, I, otherwise, I can read it. I can read it if which, you like. Which lines is it? And then, um, for me, you, it's yeah. over to you. So it's, it's it's the one about you can go ahead and blame Emmanuel. You can blame our kids for stealing. Yeah, blame the police for not doing anything. Blame blame the community. But what the, what? But 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 then what do we do with that blame? We just move it around. Yeah. Just pass it around, like we're moving the the Wunga users from one area to the next because we don't want to face the reality. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Sure, I could have this conversation forever. I think it's I think it's mm. so interesting. I think it's so important. I can't wait to come and see it. Um, just remind okay. me where it's going to be, uh, Neil, when you come it's to Cape Town. Uh, the Theatre Arts Admin Collective. In Ops. This is such a, in Ops, yeah, yeah. perfect space for a show like this so, that's so community-centered and, and so driven to work with artists and social issues and unpack things. So we're really thrilled to be there and obviously in Ops too. Um, and so, yes, yeah, it runs from the Tuesday night. We have a show at 7. Uh, the times are a bit funny. Then Wednesday we have an early show at 12 in, in the afternoon and our opening show in the evening, which is closed for the conference. And then on Thursday, there are two shows at six and eight. And that's it. So it's a very, very short run. And we'd really love to engage as many people interested. Also, theater practitioners that just want to learn what this process is and how we can use it, apply it to all variety of social issues and injustices going on. I think it's a, a really exciting way to work. And I'm keen to spread that the gospel. Fantastic stuff. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you uh, on uh, on the line with us and congratulations. I know that it's it's done it's been received so so well uh, in the past couple of years. So uh, Neil, thanks so much to you. Pume, thanks Thank so much you. to you and uh, also uh, Sean uh, who is in studio with us. Thanks very much.